book of Romans, chapter 11. While you're turning to that and getting settled, I just a uh, kind of a quick review. Um, you know, chapters 9, 10, and 11 are together as a, as a, as a continuous thought and feeding off of each other. Um, and the, the focus that, that Paul is, is trying to draw here, uh, first off, is, is that God has, has, is a God of keeping his promises. And the fact that, that Paul has to acknowledge that uh, the Jewish nation as a whole is lost is a burdensome thing to him. Uh, first off, obviously, because of his own Jewish uh, connection as a Jew himself, but also as just knowing the history of the Hebrew people, the people that were blessed uh, to carry God's word uh, to, to be the lineage of Christ, all the things that go within the framework of that, and to see them reject the gospel, to reject Christ, is a painful thing for him. So much so that John, or uh, gospel, that uh, chapter 9 uh, points out that, that Paul even says he, and I know I've shared this several times, but that Paul said he'd be willing to give up his own salvation for the sake of, his, of the nation of Israel if they would turn. Uh, that's how deep his burden is for them. But in the process, the, the thought could come through, well, if, if the Hebrew people, if the, if the nation of Israel uh, no longer is, uh, are the children of God, uh, and if they uh, no longer have access to the promises of God, then is it possible to say that, that God lost control or that God's word has failed or in some way uh, God has, has not been able to bring about his perfect will, the various things that he's looking at. And through chapters 9 and 10, Paul is basically pointing out, no, God is still in control. He is absolutely in control. The problem, the problem is, is that the nation of Israel rejects the Savior, is rejecting the Savior, is rejecting the gospel. That doesn't mean all of Israel has done that, it's, it, but as a whole, that would appear that way. But then Paul says very clearly in chapter 10, he says it's obvious that there's some people that, that are following after the, the, the Lord. I'm a Jew, Paul speaking. And so he says right there, someone, you know. And then he goes on and goes back and, and, and quotes out of the Old Testament, uh, the, the context of, of, of the prophet Elijah being chased down and, and, and uh, hiding out and saying, I'm the only one that's left. And, and uh, God saying, no, there's 7,000 that haven't been, been their knee to uh, bail yet, and, and they are my faithful. There is a remnant. And Paul acknowledges that even now there is a remnant. There is a group of people. And, you know, uh, I was uh, listening to um, uh, a, a message that uh, I think it was uh, John MacArthur was actually doing, and he asked in his audience, uh, unrelated to this part, but he asked in his audience, how many of you are Jewish uh, background, you know, or Jewish ancestry? And in, in the group that he was in, about a half a dozen people or so raised their hands. And he said, that means the rest of us are the Gentiles, okay? He said, there's the remnant. Look at it. <laughs> you almost like, you want to stand up? You're, you're the remnant. Uh, but uh, the idea is that God has not forgotten the Jewish people. There is a remnant even now being saved. And I would assume that most of you have heard of some kind of 
what you, they normally term a messianic ministry, meaning the Jews for Jesus, uh, uh, other groups that, that are actively seeking to evangelize uh, the, 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 the Hebrew people and, and, and bring them to Christ. And so uh, God is, you know, what Paul is trying to point out is, is that uh, God is doing work on the, with the Jewish people even now. And so he's not abandoned them. His word has not abandoned them. His promises have not been forgotten. Uh, and if anything, uh, as we see God working, uh, he says one of the things that, that you haven't seen or haven't acknowledged yet is the reality that because, <coughs> excuse me, because the Jewish people have abandoned their pursuit of God's word and, and through Christ and the gospel and have rejected it, it has become a stumbling block for them. Because of that, the door has been opened for the Gentiles to where it was to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. Now it was... No, it's, it's, you know, Paul finally at the end of, of, of Acts says, I will be exclusively going to the Gentiles. So God has opened that door. And you should be blessed and thankful that in the midst of all of this, as one group of people who God has, is, they're still the apple of his eye. Can you imagine the pain from a, from, from a, a, a on the, in that, parental kind of context that, that God suffers uh, when <clears throat> he sees the nation of, his, uh, of Israel falter and stumble over his son. But he, he, he says over and over in the Old Testament, even as he talks about, and look at, read it so carefully in the Old Testament, one passage will be all about judgment, the next passage will be all about grace. God just, you know, in the midst of, of having to bring about the consequences of sin and allowing the, even the hardening that comes from sin, all of it to go into place, at the same time, he speaks of future grace. Always giving hope to, again, that remnant group to hang on and, and to the hope eventually that, that the nation of Israel will turn. And I will share with you uh, that the one scripture that I know that I, I see and I quote often in reference to this is going back to Zechariah where it's very clear, as they say, they will mourn and turn and look on the one whom they have pierced. And so uh, uh, with that idea in mind, we approach uh, you know, chapter 11 that we've been looking at. Um, Paul explains clearly uh, the rejection does not equal the total. Uh, there are some saved, Paul included. God uses uh, Israel's uh, rejection is a door open to the Gentiles. And then uh, he wants to point out to them, and this is where he starts to go in here, but be careful, Gentiles, there is no room for you to boast. In other words, uh, you, know, there's the, you, you, you have no room to say, well, the Jews are done and I'm in. You know, God likes me best. <laughs> or some attitude like that. And by the way, that's one of the things that got the Jewish people in trouble, was they took that attitude of boasting and started to rest in that as their security. And Paul makes it really clear. It's not where you, the, the ethnicity that you're born under. It's a transformed heart that makes the difference. You may be born ethnic, an ethnic Jew, but you may not be a child of Abraham. That is an act of faith. 
And that goes back to Old Testament as well as now. Why is it that God favored Abraham? Why is it that God blessed Abraham? Because he was a man of what? Faith. Okay. So Gentiles, you have no reason to boast. And uh, what I want to look at is, is verses that we've already read once uh, uh, a few weeks ago, but I want to look at them again. Uh, chapter 11, verses 11 through, uh, oh, probably, uh, or 16, verses 16 through 26, or 24. 16 through 24. Um, so, chapter 11, verse 16. If the dough offered is of first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And what that is speaking to is basically that this is the, the word holy is being used in a general term here, not specific, saved, or, or righteous, but holy meaning set apart. Okay? And so if the first fruits are set apart uh, for God, so is the whole lump that it comes from. If the, the root is set apart, so are all its branches set apart. In other words, in a special relationship uh, with consideration for God. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it's not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith, so do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. And note, then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in the unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? I want to go to the end of this to start things. Paul says that taking a wild olive branch and grafting it into a, a healthy, fruitful, if you will, olive tr tree is against nature. Now, initially when I read this, being the naive person I am and not understanding very much about horticulture at all, uh, uh, you know, uh, it, to me, I, I basically thought what he was saying was it's just not a natural thing to graft. It creates an unnatural thing to graft branches into uh, other trees. You know, and then I realized that they had been doing this. That was something they, all, they were already doing back then, taking uh, healthy branches from, and grafting them into a root system that was still there to create a new, a, a, a new healthy plant. And I, I'm amazed as you look at it, the amount of, of trees. You know, some of you may even have fruit trees that bear more than one kind of fruit. Uh, I mean, they, it's all apple, but I mean, but for instance, but more than one kind of apple from the same tree because somebody has grafted in 
a tree. But that's a, that was, you, you probably took a, a, a healthy branch of some nature of apple and grafted it into the healthy tree. That's the natural way to do it. To take the wild olive branch, first off, the wild olive branch is vir virtually unproductive of edible fruit. And as a result, you branch it, you're, you're grafting it in. That is against what, you na what uh, is a natural way to do it. That's what he's saying. So I want you to understand, Paul isn't ignorant about horticulture here. <laughs> and there are, you'd be, I was surprised, <coughs> excuse me, I was surprised at the number of authors and, and commentators who said, well, he just doesn't quite, you know, he's a city boy, born in Tarsus, doesn't quite understand how this works. And so his metaphor is a little off. No, his metaphor is right on target. What God has done is against nature, against the natural flow of things. He has interrupted a sequence of things and taken out of the wild, which was something that, if you will, was condemned and plugged it into something that he's already set apart to bless. Paul wasn't messing up on his metaphor at all. Now, with any metaphor, you want to be careful. You don't take everything in it and try to figure out how to make it spiritual all the way through. But the bottom line is, is that he's saying, you have been grafted in. Okay? And so I was looking at this picture for me. I'm saying grafted into the, the, the root system is the emphasis. The root is what is supporting you. The root is going to nourish you. And so I'm saying, what is the root? Well, I, 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 first I was thinking, well, the, the, the Jewish nation. Well, no, but because part of the Jewish nation is being broken off because of its unbelief. Well, and, and not only that, there's a rampant unbelief at this point in time. If you're being plugged into that, then what kind of fruit is that going to bear? Uh, that's not going to be healthy. And so I was trying to, to, to put this together, and I realized that uh, I needed a history lesson, and I thought I might share it with you as well, that... Uh, uh, you know, this, this picture of, of uh, the, 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 uh, the olive trees and all that, that is put here. Uh, see if I can pick up where I left off here without, because I, I get sidetracked. Um, so, yeah, the, the focus is the nourishing root that I wanted to look at today. And it begins with uh, understanding uh, the, the, the nation of, 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 of Israel and the beginning of it, even going back to the beginning of the nation of Israel, which takes us to Genesis chapter 11. And actually, the, 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 the chapters in Genesis 11 through 25 deal with God bringing together the foundational patriarchs, if you will, of the, of the nation of Israel. This is the root system. And the first and foremost part of it would be who? Father Abraham. Okay? He is the one that the promises were brought to initially, <coughs> that they were made through. If you go back to Genesis chapter uh, 12, and uh, looking there, just, uh, oh, just the first few verses. Uh, it records here, Now the Lord said to Abram, and by the way, this is before he changed his name to Abraham, and so if I, as I go through this, say Abraham, even though it says Abram, don't worry about it. It's just the way I see things and don't 
quite finish it. How did the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who will bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's huge. Think about what has just been put on him as a, as a blessing. As you are being obedient to me and following through here, I'm folding out this blessing. This is, and by the way, again, when was this planned out? Before the foundation of the world. All of this, all of this is to bring a focus ultimately to one particular group of people that God will draw the salvation of the world from. That there's one lineage ultimately, the lineage of David. This is an amazing thing that God is doing here. And he's making it clear to us. I'm going to make of you, I, uh, Abraham, Abram, a great nation specifically, and then through that I am going to bless the people of the earth. Okay, this is a promise that is made. And this is where it starts. He's going to give Abraham a, a, a seed. Ab, Abraham a seed. From that seed will come a great nation. To give him a land where his seed would prosper and he's going to bless him and through him bless all the families of the earth. There's the first actual picture of the promise that's within the framework of this idea of the root system. And I realize as you go through this, there's, 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 there, I'll put it this way, there's two tracks that are, that, are, that are going here. There is a physical tract where things are worked out in a physical picture, and there is a spiritual tract where things are worked out uh, in, in a spiritual context. In the physical context, God literally gave Abraham a child. We all know the story because Abraham and Sarah were how? What, what, were how old? Too old. <laughs> they, they were 190, 100 and, she I think was 90, uh, and, and, and passed the child bearing stages, all of those things that go on, and she was barren, she, you know, and, and she was aware of the promise. Abraham is aware of the promise, and nothing is happening, and so they realize she's barren. It's never going to happen now. So what are we going to do? Well, we've got we've to give this a kickstart. And that's where Hagar comes into the picture, and Ishmael comes into the picture. But that wasn't God's plan. How many of you have ever tried to kickstart what God has called you to do? I think all of us probably at some point or another have tried to give it a helping hand because we just don't see how he's going to get there from here. You know, I don't know how he's going to accomplish this with this. I mean, all I've got is two, a couple of fish and a couple of loaves. And I need to feed all those people. You know, uh, we're just, we're, we're not accustomed to that. And, and as a result, we want to help expedite things. That wasn't God's plan. God's plan was Sarah's baby, Isaac's, to be the seed, if you will, in the physical context. 
and also become, in many ways uh, in his life, uh, little snapshots of Christ. What's the most famous snapshot of Christ in, in the reference to Isaac and Abraham? Yeah, his, the, the sacrifice offering, the offering of, of Abraham uh, makes to of Isaac, his only son. And Hebrews tells us very clearly that Abraham did that with the confidence that God would, if God allowed his son to be sacrificed completely, you know, to, to death, to the point of death, that he would have resurrected him. Because he knew Isaac is going to be the one who carries on the promise. He had that confidence. He even told the, the, his servant very clearly, he said, we're going up here to accomplish, do the things that we're supposed to do. And when we come back, and like I said, and then in Hebrews 11, it says very specifically, he knew that, that God would resurrect him if that was what was necessary. And so Abraham, in this physical picture of, of what God has promised him, is falling through, Isaac comes into the picture. And through his descendants, God makes it clear that what he has promised now in Abraham, he's promised through Isaac, specifically. And then specifically through Jacob. He narrows it down again. And then through, through uh, Judah and, 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 and David. I mean, he just keeps narrowing it down to, to things that will be very specific so that where the, the lineage of Christ will, will, will come from. God promised him the land, the land of Canaan. And while he never saw it as his, he rested with confidence. And it would be in his future, the future of Israel, that there would be that land. But it says he even rested with a greater confidence than that. That there is a land that God that not, and, and a place in a city not made by hands of man that God has already promised him as well. And so you can see the spiritual side of the physical picture as well. And so the land of Canaan, the physical land that God was bringing into picture. However, when uh, Moses comes into the picture and brings in the covenant of, of law there, that land becomes something, the physical land becomes something that's based on a condition. If you are obedient, if you follow my ways, if you don't, I will take the land away from you. I, I, I have not bothered to sit down and count the number of times that God gave it back to them and took it away from them, gave it back to them and took it away from them, gave it back all through judges and all through the, the you know, back and forth until he finally took it away from them, sent them out of the land and, and, and completely took it away from them. Then he still brought them home miraculously because there's a promise <laughs> that involves the Jewish nation and he restored them into as a people in a land one more time well, then 70 AD comes about and at that point the dispersion of the Jews was literally all over the known Roman Empire that was it they're done. There's the church now, you know, so they're done. And, you know, a lot of people wrote that way. God must be done with them now. Must be really done with them now. Look, if there's not, 
100 years, 200 years, 1,000 years goes by, 1,500 years, 1,800 years goes by, nothing happens. All these guys beginning to say, yeah, Israel's out of the picture. Then a few of them started saying, well, wait, that's not what the scripture says. And then 1947 comes along, and then in 1948, uh, what was taking, what was brought action on in 1947 uh, in the uh, United Nations formed a, uh, a land for the nation of Israel. In 1948, they moved in legally. They had already been moving in. And God's restored it as a nation once more. Is it, is it a religious nation? No. It's, in fact, it's called secular Israel. I mean, when you read about it, it's generally there's, there's, there's adjectives that frequently describe it. It's not a, it's not a, a, a Jewish Orthodox country. It's an ethnic country of, of uh, the Jewish people. But I don't think that God's done with them yet. And uh, we'll, we'll see more of that as we go along here uh, in the next couple of weeks. But God has continually brought them back to that physical land. So there's a physical side of this, but there's a spiritual side of it, which is also what Paul wants us to grab a hold of in this picture. For instance, the seed uh, that is spoken of here, Paul gives a very clear picture to it uh, that actually includes us as well in the sense of, of promise to the Gentiles. Because as the seed was physically fulfilled in Isaac, who was ultimately a type of Christ in his sacrifice, the offer of the father, his only son, okay? The seed, according to what Paul writes in Galatians, is ultimately really Jesus Christ. And so let me share that with you. Uh, Galatians 3.16. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say and to offsprings, or promises were made to his seed. It doesn't say seeds, referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring, who is Christ. Okay, so all of this through Isaac and Jacob and, 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 and Judah and, and David and all of these, these promises that were funneled down were ultimately to do what? Bring us to a picture and a relationship with Christ. The whole nation of Hebrews, were to, uh, Jewish people, all of Israel was to be brought into that relationship, and then God said he would open that to, the, to the, all of the Gentile world as well, and he, that was prophetically pictured over and over again in the Old Testament. So all of this brings it around and focuses on Christ at the center. And so in the spiritual picture, it's referring, it's, it's seeing the Messiah, the, the, the one who will bless not just the nation, but he will bless the world. He will bless all of the earth. Just uh, let's go back. I'm, I'm going to read more of, of, of Galatians here. Um, with verse 7. Now know that, then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under the curse, and for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. 
Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. What's the curse, by the way? Death. Curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He took our curse, death, on him. For it is written, curses everyone who, hangs on, who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. And he just goes on and, and talks more about uh, the, the reality of, of, of who we are in Christ. So there's a spiritual fulfilling of this. There is a, a, the, the spiritual seed, Christ, there's, and, and, and there's a fulfilling of it. The church becomes entered into this picture. And what, what is the land that we're looking forward to? Are we looking to move to, to, to uh, Palestine? Is there anybody in here who's planning, has, has bought their ticket yet and, and is securing their property to live in, in Canaan someplace? No. I don't, I don't see anybody in here that I know that, is, that God has spoken to. I do know some people that God, I believe, spoke to. One guy that I worked with in San Jose, he was not an Orthodox Jew either. But he just felt there was a burden on him uh, to move, he and his family, to a kibbutz in, 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 uh, in Israel and to become a part of what was happening there. He left an extremely good job in the United States and moved to a kibbutz where he was a, uh, doing bricklaying and, and, and building work. And uh, I don't know if he's still there or not, and I, I don't know what happened with all of that. We didn't stay in touch. We weren't really particularly close friends. We were more business associates. And uh, so I have no idea what finally transpired there. But there are those people who, of, of Jewish ethnicity that feel that, that that's where they need to go. They, they can't even sometimes explain it. They just feel a, a calling to be there. I don't think that's an accident or a, 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 just a coincidence. I think God is doing something there. But in the midst of it, I haven't been called to go there. Some of you maybe have visited there and, and have had a wonderful tour of it, but you didn't stay. You came home. Okay, So that must not be what it is we are looking for. What is it that we are looking for as the spiritual seed of Abraham uh, included in all those promises of, that Abraham has, what is it that we're looking for? What's the land? The new Jerusalem. The new heaven, the new earth. It's the same thing that it says that Abraham ultimately was looking for. And so as we plug into this promise of Abraham, the root of, of what God has got here, we're plugging into these promises and, and being nurtured through it, uh, as, as wild olive branches being plugged into this picture, we become the children of Abraham. And we actually become, instead of, of, of something that should just die up and fall off because it's, it's not the right way to do it, instead of that, God does the miraculous and causes us to become fruitful and healthy and, and, and able to inherit what he has already promised through Abraham. And he draws us in. And so we have the new heaven and the new earth. Uh, and again, Hebrews says uh, very careful, clearly about how Abraham felt about this. Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to the place that he was to receive as an inheritance. 
And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that was, has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And further down, the writer of Hebrews adds, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And we're, brought, we're a part of that picture in the sense of who we are as children of Abraham. And so this is what we are tied to. And, 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 and the blessing that, that was to be Abraham on his family to provide, take care of, and to, and, and to, to make sure that everything would happen so that the, the, the promises unfolded were a part of that. The gospel of Jesus Christ through which all nations of the earth are blessed, we have been blessed. So it's, it's an amazing picture, and I, and I want you to understand that, that with, because of looking at it this way, we are all sharing in a Jewish heritage. All of the history of the Hebrew people is important to us. We're part of the, the, that. It's not two separate families in that sense. How, do, how, does the, how does a Jewish person get saved? By accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior. And before Jesus was the Savior, it was looking forward to him, as Abraham did, and Isaac did, and Jacob did. And seeing the fulfillment of God's promises, they rested in that. He becomes the promise. There is no other way to receive the blessings that Abraham ultimately is, is promised in the spiritual context of, of, of the promised land, heaven and earth, new heaven, new earth, a city built by God, other than through Jesus Christ. And so we're all coming by the blood of Christ. We're not stepbrothers either, or step you know, sisters. You know. 